0: G'day everyone and welcome. It is On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com.au. Thanks for joining us. Hope you've had a fantastic week or so in whatever you're doing, especially a great week in motor racing to talk to me about what happened up in Darwin, supercars-wise and other things as well. We always say a very good day to Richard Crowell. G'day, Crowellsy. Drexler, how are you? And I'm fantastic, thank you. What an amazing weekend at Darwin uh, we, we had ourselves personally, but also race-wise. Uh, you there was some fantastic racing. Let's kick it off with supercars. Great to see Erebus really put their hand up, not for the first time, but probably for the first time as a two-car team to say, we are actually here and we are actually going to be competitive.
1: Yeah, I think that's a valid comment. Uh, I think the way that they performed across the weekend and, and in particular the way they bounced back after what was a very disappointing Winton for them, so that was going to be a big test for that team, in how they responded to the challenges that that event provided, and they were a long way off the pace there. So to bounce back in Darwin and for Dave Reynolds to have the weekend, he did with the win on Sunday, but also perhaps more importantly for what uh, Anton Di Pasquale did in his qualifying effort both days and showed good race pace and was pretty consistent throughout. Uh, I think that was really impressive. So yeah, terrific weekend. Um, that just throws another contender into the mix week in, week out, which I think is great. I think more significantly is the way that uh, Shell V-Power Racing managed that race on Sunday with Scotty's Oil Dramas. They managed to get some oil in that car and the stop, um, kept it running. And, and, you know, if he does ultimately win the championship, bear in mind there is a long, long way to go, Um, they'll look back at that race and go, gee, we managed that well. We got a really good points haul and um, backed up what they did on Saturday. So, Yeah, lots of important stories to come out of it and and it just adds to the the list of stories that we've had already this year.
0: Another important story is the once again failure, I suppose we could call it, of uh, Tickford Racing. They've had a deplorable year this year.
1: Well, you know, if if it was Aussie rules, they would be in the position Alan Richardson is now with St Kilda and there'd be serious question marks over the coaching capabilities there. So... If it was footy, you'd be looking at the coach and, and the media would be calling the sack the coach. It's not footy, which is good. Um, but, and, and we're not saying it's any of the managed dramas, but they're clearly struggling with those cars. They're clearly battling. Um, and where do they go next? They're testing in public at the moment and yes. they're getting absolutely smoked by Shell V Power Racing. Um, and that was shown on the weekend with just how far in front those Shell cars were compared to the four ticket racing cars. So, they got to fix it. I'm sure they will. There's a lot of very smart people there, and they've got a great driver lineup. But yeah, they're battling at the moment. And they need to turn it around. Yeah,
0: Macaulay Jones had a wild card for the weekend. Probably wasn't the uh, the best use of a, a wild card for him. Not not a not a really impressive weekend.
1: Oh yeah, it's, it's hard to judge though, isn't it? And he qualified reasonably well. Um, and VJ had a pretty decent weekend overall, didn't yeah, they? they? Did. Sladey was popping around the top ten all weekend, and. Percat was well up it on uh, on Sunday, so yeah, I, I don't think for Macker it's about results at the moment. As good as they be, it's all just keeping him sharp and um, playing him in for the enduros later on in the year. And remember, he did a really good job with Percat last year yep. at Baptist and Had the dice rolled their way, they may have actually won the race. But um, yeah, no, I, I don't read too much into that. They're a bigger fist to fry than a wildcards quiet weekend, I think. Then. Uh, than just that. So, yeah, solid. Though. He's, he's doing a good job.
0: No, he certainly is. Let's have a look at what else happened up in Darwin uh, in other categories. We'll get on to Porsche Carrera Cup shortly, uh, Porsche Wilson Security Carrera Cup shortly, with Dylan O'Keefe to join us in just a couple of minutes' time. But TCM, uh, some great racing up the front between Stevie Johnson and John
1: Bow again. Yeah, well, it turned into a critical weekend in the championship as well, much like Supercars, because Stevie J came into it five points behind. He leaves 25 in front. Um, big swing in the context of the series with JB having led since round one in Adelaide. So big weekend for Stephen Johnson, fourth time in a row he's won the Darwin round, which no driver's ever done in the history of the category. So his title defence now in really good shape. Um, the other promising thing there is that there's some really competitive cars nipping on their heels of the the two legends of the sport that are at the front. Um, uh, Jim Richards was back, which was great. He was fast. Adam Bressington's getting better and better in the Camaro. Mark King had his best weekend in, years and won his first race since 2014 the list goes on and on so it was a it was a really competitive weekend the category's so popular uh and it'll be even more so in a couple of weeks they're going to townsville for the first time um there's a big petition made to get the category up there and lots of people wanted to see them so that's going to be a, a great show i think on the, the streets of. Uh, uh, North Queensland City.
0: Another category that's uh, extremely popular at the moment, and uh, we might be biased because we work for it, but uh, it's definitely the Porsche Wilson and Security Courier Cup Australia Series, and uh, three races on the weekend. Races one and three were scintillating. Race two was
1: weird. Oh, it wasn't great. A couple of crashed start, uh, crashed and on a restart we only had two real full laps of racing, so you get that every now and then. Yep. But I've, I've called that category since 2010, and I've never known it to be this in terms of competition at the point the end. It, it's ferocious, ferocious at the front. Um, just the, the level that these guys are driving and as hard as they're driving, and it was exemplified by Jackson Evans, who's the championship leader and was running second. And had he finished second in that final race, he could have won the round, would have won the round, uh, and extended his championship lead. But he didn't. He had a brilliant run had a great tow, fired it down the inside at turn one and dropped the car off the road, um, ultimately finished 15th. But that's the championship. You yeah. They want to win. That's all they want to do Good. is win races, and it's so tough to do. Um, and Dylan O'Keefe was a, a first-time round winner, just the seventh driver in the history of the category to win a round without winning a race. And I know that was a little bit frustrating, but we saw a return to form for David Wall. We saw James Moffat win his first race in Carrera Cup since 2008. Jackson Evans actually built his championship lead. Um, the top four closed in. There are so many good things going on there at the moment that the last four rounds of that series are going to be phenomenal. And if you haven't watched the series before, and I know some people don't like it, um, and I get that, but if you haven't watched it, please do because from a – competitive motor racing standpoint it's as good as anything we've got in this country at the moment
0: yeah it certainly is one of the guys that's going to be really prominent in the last four races he's currently second in the championship he's dylan o'keefe and he joins us on the line now very good morning to you dylan good morning mate. how are you fantastic buddy uh, before we get into the specifics of the weekend uh just give us a little bit of an indication of what you're doing now
2: um just actually out still up at darwin um of my mates having a bit of a, a fishing trip so Quite exciting, but seen at the same time before we head home to the cold in Melbourne.
0: I can tell you, it is cold too. I arrived back last night, and it was uh, three degrees when I hopped off the plane. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm
1: not looking to that. <laughs>
0: exactly, you What a great win by uh, by Dylan over the weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah, brilliant, wasn't it? An incredible weekend of racing in Porsche Wilson Security Carrera Cup. It was intense. It was combative. We had elbows out. We had a bit of drama, some controversy, restarts, all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, and threw it all, a, a first time round winner. So Dylan, I mean, you did it without winning a race, which I know might be a little bit frustrating to you, but what was it like just to get the monkey off the back and get that first round win in your 20th start in the category and, um, finally put one away and get the big trophy? Yeah, that's
2: correct. I mean, it is a little bit frustrating not getting the, uh, actual race win, but, um, to get the round win still pretty si- significant and, uh, can definitely tick that off the bucket list and, um, I mean, it does mean a lot to us. I mean, we put a lot of uh, effort into the championship and this is my third year at it, so it's been a long time coming in some ways, but um, I've def- definitely been waiting for it and um, been ready as well. So uh, this year's been really good to me, nice and consistent. And uh, the weekend was really cool, moving to second in the championship. So uh, we still have four rounds to go, so hopefully we can get uh, a few actual race wins before we lose out and uh, try and really hunt down Jackson for the championship lead.
0: It was an interesting one, that final race. You mentioned not getting the race win, Dylan, and you had it all there, but I think you were sort of like a little bit screwed over towards the end, weren't you, and you became a sitting duck?
2: Yeah, it was uh, quite difficult towards the end. I mean, we got the a great start and a nice handy lead um, in the first few laps, and uh, the first 30 laps, the car was really strong. I mean, our cars um, Ashley served motorsport very good in the long-distance races with tyre pressures, um, but yeah, once I started, uh, getting, holding that gap against James Moffat, I, I could sense that he was catching me ever so slightly. And, uh, I reckon I would have held him off unless if that safety car didn't come out. Yeah. Uh, that really hindered us. And, uh, our front tyre grip just completely went away. And once we went green for the next five or so lap, uh, racing laps towards the end, I just had nothing to take it to him. And then I was even worried about Michael Armand passing me for, th- uh, for seconds. So. Uh, Just had to consolidate
1: a bit, and uh, to get round
2: win was still really cool. I didn't expect that at all.
1: We spoke to a lot of people before the weekend, Dylan, and it struck me that that event was a pretty key round for a lot of drivers to stay in contention for the championship because there was a real threat that Dale Wood and Jackson Evans, who's leading, were going to start creeping away and the margin, going into the last three or four rounds, was going to be too big. So did you take that approach going into the weekend? Did you go... I need to go. This is the weekend where I need to get a big score and start reeling that margin in.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. I knew uh, going into the weekend, um, it had to be a big turning point for me. And, uh, my goal was definitely to close the championship lead and going into the first race with Jackson and Dale starting behind me. I thought that was a perfect way to start the weekend and, uh, really gave me the best option to maximize the result. But, uh, all three of us seem to be close together on the track anyway. And uh, in that first race, we had a good battle, the three of us, which is cool because it shows um, the top three in the championship can also battle out on track together. And, uh, yeah, it's quite cool that we know it's, it's closer than going in before it was going into the weekend. I mean, the top four is still very close and anything can happen. We still have lots more races to go, so we can't be talking too much about the championship yet, I don't reckon.
0: You had a front row seat to that uh, race two start incident between uh, Dale Wood and David Wall. Uh, tell us what went through your head at the start when David Wall uh, had that stall.
2: Yeah, I remember pulling up to the grid and Ash was calling me into the box and it was uh, two big black lines right where I was pulling up, so there was plenty of grip for me to take off. And um, I just remember letting the clutch and it was going to absolutely lightning start. And... For some reason, I just had like a sixth sense almost and I just drove straight around Wally and I was lucky no one was uh, to the right of me. So I could just sort of fishtail my way past and uh, get through with no contact. So, um, I was a bit relieved through that. And uh, after that first lap, there was a safety car so we could, uh, get everything back together and, um, reset and see what was going on. But I couldn't believe when we ran after that first lap. And then there was John Stephenson in the fence yeah. and also Dale pulled up alongside. So, uh I, I, I knew there would have been some uh contact from the from David uh off the start, but I didn't expect there to be more carnage along the way. Yeah, it was one of the
1: more carnage field races we've oh, seen in yes. a lot of safety a lot of safety car running and that's about it. Hey, exactly. um, You got yourself testing a Erebus supercar at Winton, how did that go?
2: Yeah, it was uh the testing the supercar was really cool. I mean uh Fantastic opportunity after watching Supercars virtually my whole whole life. So, um, that was almost a dream come true in some way. And, uh, everybody had a fantastic weekend on, uh, Alpha Darwin as well. So I've been talking to Barry Ryan, the team, uh, manager, and I was saying, uh, pretty cool watching that as well. Saying, seeing that, uh, Asians and seeing that, uh, I've dri- driven that car two weeks ago. So, um, it was cool itself. So.
0: Yeah, it really is a good job, and I'll tell you what, Richard. It's fantastic to see the supercars guys making their way over to the uh, Carrera Cup tents and and pits, and and talking to some of these young guys. I saw on the weekend Dick Johnson looking for Jordan Love and uh, trying to find him for a bit of a chat. We we hear that Erebus and, and Dylan are chatting. It's just nice to see that these guys are starting to really, you know, find that there is a, a genuine pathway for them.
1: Yeah, well, we've seen. For some time now that Carrera Cup's been the best category for blokes stepping out of the main game to keep sharp and Stephen Richards was a perfect example of that retired from full-time driving, set up his Carrera Cup team, won the championship kept him sharp, kept him switched on for the Enduros with Craig Lowndes and ultimately won a couple more Bathursts because of it um, and, and it's, it's going the other way now as well and I think they realise that the intensity and the competitive intent at the front of the field is every bit as good as it is in supercars, like he's you win in Carrera Cup. You're winning against some pretty serious drivers and in cars that are difficult to drive and difficult to drive quickly. So, I think that's I think that's what's going on. Do you get that same impression, Dylan? Do you feel like that's what's the vibe you're getting and that, that it's a good place for you to be to get that kind of attention from a Barry Ryan of the world?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a um, definitely a great place to showcase young talent, and this year especially even more so with uh, a brand new field of 26 cars. Uh, makes it even more closer than it ever has been before. And now uh the top eight drivers leading into a weekend are within a couple of tenths of each other. I mean, at the top eight, anyone could almost win it. So uh it does come down to that final little bit. But it's great to be recognised by all these big teams. And uh it's cool that they're all watching it. I mean, we're uh, definitely one of the more premier support categories. Like on the weekend, we're on before supercars every time. So... Obviously, when while they're in the garages and that, they're definitely watching. So you never know who's watching or who you could impress. So that's why every time you put your helmet on, you can do the best job you can. And uh, make sure you don't make any silly mistakes that might cost you and uh, don't give you a bad impression.
0: Well, mate, you did that on the weekend. Congratulations on getting your first round win in the Porsche Wilson Security Career Cup Australia Series. Hopefully there's a race win just around the corner and uh, you get to enjoy a couple of weeks' uh, rest now before the next round at Sydney Motorsport Park, which is a, a cracking round, isn't it, The uh, with the Asian boys coming over?
2: Yeah, so um, Career Cup Asia are coming out to Sydney Motorsport Park to race against us again. I mean, I did that round uh, two years ago, I think it was, when Career Cup Asia first came over and we raced against them, so... Uh, that makes it a bit more interesting, and uh, the invitational race at the end of the weekend when they combine us all is uh, something else, and uh, having a field of 30 on-the-pro drivers out, out there is uh, very close and competitive, so adds another element, and, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that.
0: Good on you, Joel. Talk again soon, mate. Enjoy your fishing trip.
2: Yeah, thanks, Tony. Good
0: Pleasure. on you. Don joining us, uh, having a chat about his great weekend up there in Darwin. Crowley, look forward to you having a couple of weeks rest and uh, we look forward to catching up with you. I think next for us will be uh, Queensland Raceway. I'm going back to some more of this Darwin weather spec. See you later. Enjoy it, mate. Richard Crowley joining us talking all things motorsport. We'll be back with Braxy in just one tick. It's time to talk two wheels, and when we do that, we always do it with our man Mark Brax. Good morning dear you, Braxy.
3: Good afternoon, Braxy. How's your son, Tam, mate? After your week away?
0: Mate, I've come back, uh, yes, very brown. And uh, <laughs> I, arrived, I arrived back at midnight last night, and I had shorts and t shirt on, and I hopped out at Melbourne Airport. And Fanningham, I thought I'd just <laughs> jumped into a freezer.
3: It was one. You only do that once, mate, speaking from experience. Yeah, so, into, the, into the real world at wintertime. So true. Hey, mm-hmm.
0: uh, speaking of experience, Jorge Lorenzo got to experience a, another win on that Ducati. And, uh, is uh, the first question I'll ask you before we actually talk about the race, Braxy, could this be the best Ducati bike we've seen for a few years?
3: Yeah, we certainly have. And uh, that was even alluded to in the press conference after the race between the top three there, the top, well, the top three, aren't they? That was, um, as you said, Lorenzo taking his second win on the shot. Again, in pretty dominating circumstances after the fifth, fifth lap, he basically had the race won from uh, the man of the, well, the championship leader and defending champion, champion Mark Marquette, and, well, what do you say? The evergreen Valentino Rossi coming in third again. He got into third from about the fifth lap after seventh on the grid and, uh, fought off a few, uh, challenges, but, uh, managed to maintain that and then maintain second position in the championship behind Marquez in our leads on 116 points. 20, you want about, um, 88, uh, for Valentino Rossi. So it's, uh, 28 points difference at the moment. So, uh, it's going to be a rather entertaining uh, rest of the season with Lorenzo now, his second in on the trot. He's jumped up the equal seventh position, ironically, with his teammate, Andrea DiBizioso, who crashed out again on the weekend. And uh, Andrea Iannone, the ex-G caddy pilot, who's uh, seen to be the ex-Suzuki pilot after being sacked from Suzuki recently. They're all on uh, 66 points at the moment. So they're a bit, a bit of a ways behind, but nothing to be said that can't be made up during the course of the year, considering the uh, role that, uh, that Lorenzo's on now. Two on the top plus the pole position on the weekend. It was in pretty dominant form, uh, and the consistency of those three guys at the top was just amazing. So, uh, all in the 1.40, so 1 minute 40 bracket, the entire race. And uh, you know the spread of uh, Lorenzo over the course of the race, over 22 laps, his difference in lap times of 0.907 and allowing the fact that he uh, buttoned off the last couple of laps and started browsing um, around, um, waving at the crowd. In reality, he had 20 laps within 0.3 of a second of each other. Rossi had 23 laps within 0.55 of a second of each other and uh, Mark Marquez, 0.6 of a second or 20 laps. So oh. the, the consistency at the front just simply remarkable to be able to get into that groove yeah. and... Tenth of a second, it just shows you that uh, these guys, they get in, like you get into the groove, and they can just stick with it. They don't, they look at their boards, obviously, but they know in their head they're doing it. And for Lorenzo now to come in and win two on the trot after being sacked, I believe there was a, a pallet load of eggs were delivered to the Ducati garage Sunday afternoon, but no one's admitted to who, deli- who ordered them at the moment. Because um, now that Lorenzo's been sacked, I'm sure there's a lot of questions being asked. Like, did you do it? Did you do it? Who, who sacked him? Because um, now he's gone. When, when you look at the, the rest of the races coming up, uh, we've got a few high speed races. We've got um, a, a mentally Asin and uh, Saxon ring aren't really suited to the G Caddy. Asin isn't suited to Lorenzo after he still has nightmares there from that accident back in 2013, I think it was, when he broke his collarbone. Mm. But then after that, we've got. Um, uh, the summer break, and then we've got Brunel in the Czech Republic, a fast track. Then we go to uh, the A1 in Austria, which is just made for the Ducati. Then we go to Silverstone, which is pretty fast as well, fast and flowing. Aragon in Spain, and then the flyaway, starting with uh, the new Chang race track in uh, Thailand, which is a high-speed, well, Lorenzo topped the time checks there in the uh, pre-season testing. So, uh, it's, you know, there's a lot of points behind, as we said. What is he, 30-odd points? Um... 40 points, yeah, 30-odd points beyond the lead of um, uh, Mark Marquette, but there's nothing to say that uh, Lorenzo can't win the championship with a bit of uh, luck going his way and a bit of fortune. Um, you know, the, the Davizioso's got to pull his finger out soon, I think, because uh, I really think his best chance of a championship win was last year when he came second to Marquette, but this year he's really struggling and then to uh, throw it away again while in third place on the weekend as well. Uh, I mean, he screwed up my trifecta to that place in Quebec, not good. <laughs> no, it's not good at all. I'll never forgive him for that. But no, he's got to learn to stay on it. You know, we, we, you say you got to finish the race first, you got to finish, blah blah blah. But uh, you know, that's um, the third DNF for the Vicioso this year. So, they're completely different than what he was doing last year. But uh, his teammate Lorenzo, and look, the, the, the other thing too that. Um, there was, what, 11 crash, and basically half the fuel crashed out on the weekend. That was only in the GP race, um, and not considering the Moto2 and the Moto3, which was both crash tests as well. And I think part of the reason for that um, was the fact that it's been recently resurfaced. Okay. And on the Sunday, the heat was the hottest it's been in a few weeks there. The track temperature nudging 55 degrees. And I really think the, uh, being the near surface, it was starting to bleed a bit of oil, the oil of the bitumen through the surface, just making it a bit greasy. Mm. And if you got off line and just pushed a bit hard, that's where the guys were going down the road left, right, and centre, albeit a few that were, took each other out. But in the, uh, in the main game, it was all basically solo accidents. And the Visiosa going down into that, uh, Richard Turn Five, it doesn't show you how steep it is on television, but. He would have just got a little bit offline going in maybe a little bit too hot, trying to keep in touch with Marquette and uh, So we were in front, uh, sorry, Lamento were in front of him, and threw it down the road. And uh, a lot of them down the road, you know, like only 15 finish. And that was um, Morbidelli, who actually pulled into the pits after he crashed. And they've gone, no, no, get out, get out, get out and go and score a point. So he actually got a point for the day. But uh, yeah, big crash fest there. But at the moment, as I said, Marquette leading the championship on 118 points with Rossi in third, uh, second 88, and Maverick Vignali still in third position even after he's having a, a wretched time. He finished sixth again on the weekend. Um, he hasn't had a, well, a second second position way back in the Americas. Since he's been in um, Europe again, he hasn't part me, finished with a, a seventh, a seventh, an eighth, and a sixth in the last four races. So uh, vignali's slowly going backwards, and would be very frustrating him seeing his teammate finishing on the podium in the last three races.
0: Yeah, it certainly will, Braxy. Is it correct to say that uh, Valentino Rossi hasn't had a win for probably about a year or so now? Yeah, Assen. Wow. It's
3: a long so, time between and drinks. We're leading into Asin, and actually, he's won there the last two of the three years at Assen. Uh, we remember back in 2016 where we had a, a little coming together with his um, best mate, um, Mark Marquez, then in 2017, uh, we'll remember that um, Jack Miller had that outstanding win on his yeah. uh, on the bike, and then last year, uh, again, uh, Valentino Rossi comes through uh, in another great race. So in the last three races, I think, memory serves me correctly. In the first one, it was, um, as I said, Rossi beating Marquette in that dramatic finish. Uh, then it was Lorenzo in third position. Miller beat Marquette last year with Scott Redding, another uh, web foot wonder, coming in in third. And then last year, Rossi beat Petrucci and Marquez. So uh, Rossi certainly got the runs on the board in that's and loves the place. And I'll tell you what, though, uh, Shabets, if he'd um, finished a uh, starter better than seventh last week, on on a grid, and it took him a few laps to get through. If he'd been able to... Claiming another front row or second row starting done recently Rossi would have had a very good chance of winning the race, looking at the lap times he was putting in too. So, yeah. don't discount, discounting particularly at Assen, where he's had so much success. Well, mate, that's some contradictory times, he's had so much success every race, every track he turns up to. Um, but Assen is one that does stand out for him. So, uh, we know the weather will be sketchy. It's uh, in. Uh, strangely enough, it's uh, the, the TT's been held for, in July for the first time. In living memory, I uh, first went there oh, nearly 30-odd years ago. It was in ju- traditionally in June, uh, but now it's been moved to uh, July, so albeit only the first day in July. But uh, it might give a little bit better weather, but we all know that Ashen's going to give a bit of rain. But this um, championship is absolutely enthralling.
0: And, Braxi just a couple of quick things before we wrap it up. Our testing, how did that go for the bikes over the last day or two?
3: Testing not so bad for them all, but, um, I suppose it's, uh, um, what might have been afterwards. Um, the Ducati team of Vicioso and Lorenzo not turning up for that event, leaving the, uh, donkey work for the testing to go to the lights of, uh, the satellite Ducati team of Petrucci and, uh, and Jack Miller. Um, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they do there. Uh, Marquette, who, who would you think was fastest? demanding, so who else was going to get there? Yeah. Um, He did a 138.9, so that's even with a crash. Um, So he's still up there and not quite beating the times of what they did during uh, practice and qualifying for the Grand Prix itself, but he put in 90 laps, and uh, his man in second position was Andre Iannone on the Suzuki in uh, second position by just a tenth. So, um, yeah, it was uh, quite interesting. And third position was... uh, Danny Pedrosa.
0: There you go. Excellent yeah, stuff. So. Uh, oh, you mentioned Jack Miller. Good for uh, good news for him, contract
3: wise. Yeah, he's signed with the team for next year for the uh, uh, ProMac Ducati team, and he'll have uh, he's got uh, what's his name, Bagnaya, the uh, Moto Two pilot coming through to be a partner for him. I actually thought there might have been a chance that uh, uh, Pedrosa might have got the gig there, but. Dagnar have already signed up, so Pedrosa, now that he's been let go with Lorenzo coming into partner Mark Marquez next year in the retro Honda team, Pedrosa was supposed to make an announcement on the weekend where he was going, but unfortunately everything's been stalled, and he's been offered a ride as the Honda test pilot, or the other option, one of the options he's got is also this newly formed satellite Yamaha team that'll be mm. sponsored by Petronas. He might be getting a gig in that. But I don't think anything will be mentioned until we get to Aspen in a couple of weeks' time. And uh, I'll tell you what, mate, I think I've got more chance of uh, picking him because if uh, every journo in the paddock missed the fact that Lorenzo was going to Honda, what the, that would have to be the best-kept secret of the year, yeah. considering what we know the paddock, the rumour mill is like when it starts, and that just come right out of left field. No-one even saw that one. So congratulations to uh, Lorenzo's mechanic, Lorenzo, and also Repsol Honda for being able to keep it quiet from those uh, very inquisitive Spanish and Italian journalists that just um, don't leave the poor guys alone.
0: It's going to be an interesting combination, isn't it, with uh, himself and Marquez in that team?
3: Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how he um, gets, uh, um, you know, adapts to the Honda because it's supposed to be one of the hardest bikes to ride in the the paddock. And it was supposed as far as the outsiders knew it was always the Ducati but that was put to bed when uh, Jack Miller went from Honda last year into the Ducati team at the test and on the first day they said oh how difficult you know how much harder is it to ride the Ducati than the Honda and he's, he's looked around and said well obviously you've never ridden the Honda because that's a lot harder to ride than this thing so what uh and being Lorenzo he's a very precise metatronomic rider where he's online every time and uh as we've seen with Marquez, you had to ride this thing very, very aggressively to get the best out of it. And that's where Lomenza will find it. Well, you will have a struggle, but it took him 29 races to win on the Ducati. It took the Bricioso and Yannone in the 70-odd races to win on the Ducati. So let's not put anything past him. Um, no, he, no. Was asked in the, he was asked in the press conference afterwards with Rossi sitting next, right next to him. And we know Rossi's, uh, well, bad uh, fortune by going to Ducati. Uh, a journalist asked Lorenzo, do you think uh, Rossi could have won on this bike? And fair play to Lorenzo, he said, look, it's a completely different bike. The bike uh, Rossi was riding was probably the worst one they've ever built. So why is it, why wouldn't there be any yeah. reason why he could win on this bike? It was a very good, very, and it just showed they might be the best of mates and go out and get on the turps every Friday night and chase the girls. But it showed the amount of respect that those three have got for each other. And uh, there was handshakes and everything, and it was a really warm, open and honest uh, occasion between the pair and what Rossi had to say about Lorenzo and vice versa and uh, just showed you that these guys might be complete axe murderers when they get on a racetrack and try to beat each other for all hell, but the respect and what they show for each other off the track was a really good moment, I think, it in, was, uh, in the sport.
0: It was that nice, it nearly made me sick.
3: Yeah, well, it was one of those moments, wasn't <laughs> it? Uh, I was thinking, oh,
0: God, this just doesn't sound right.
3: No, but I suppose, you know, they're getting old. Um, you know, they're all in their 30s, Ross, punching yeah, 40. It. You know, and they've, um, they've had their accidents and now they can race together. And and I think also, um, Lorenzo, and, and don't take anything away from the psychology of Lorenzo either. No, He's no. run two races on the trot in pretty dynamic circumstances. Yeah. So why not have a little bit of a dig? He's on top of the world at the moment. He can show a bit of love to somebody else. I'm sure if he was... Um, wasn't having the wins, that question wouldn't have been asked for a start, obviously, but uh their feeling to each other might have been a little bit different, but you know, Lorenzo's pulling the points back, they're out there, as shaping up as another dynamic, unbelievably enthralling season, I just can't you know, we don't want every day to go that fast, but jeez, I can't wait for Asim to start up again with that uh, what can Lorenzo can do, what Dubisiosko can do in return. And uh, if if the Yamaha of Rossi's and uh, Vignalis can uh, actually get up there and battle for a win again.
0: Be nice to see, mate. Before we go, you've got 30 seconds to tell us about Remy Gardner.
3: Yeah, mate, I've got to take my hat off to that kid. Um, he's copped a lot of flack over the last few years because of, our, well, his lack of performances. And, but the people don't know the story behind it. And uh, and the other thing, oh, he's, on, he's only there because he's Wayne Gardner's son. Well... Um, I think if anybody looked at the weekend, uh, he jumped back on a bike less than six weeks after completely smashing both his legs and an ankle in a motocross accident. Mm. Not such a bad accident, it was just the way he fell off. Uh, and to be hobbling around on crutches and to get on the bike um, and the times he was doing from the time he got on the bike and then to um, beat his teammate in qualifying to get onto the grid. And the Tech 3 bike they're on is... Well, a shitbox. It really is. Um, And no-one wants to ride it. And what Remy did there to get into it and score a point on the weekend amongst that bunch there in the conditioning he was on, it's proven to me that the toughness does run in the genes of the Gardner family. The determination is the same. And um, a friend of Wayne's and we were conversing during the course of the weekend. Remy had no painkillers to get on the bike. He just did it himself to make sure he could do it. And, uh, mate, I, th- I think if people don't sit up and take notice of what he did then, and the fact that he has got a bit of talent between him, and he's got, um, big, uh, big things sitting on the seat, it's probably making the seat a bit bigger for him yeah. as well. Uh, mate, he was, uh, I had a lump in my throat watching him yeah, on beautiful. the weekend. Uh, you'd, you realise how, you know, that people say, oh, you can't ride. Well, hang on, mate, I'll get you his bike, and you can go and have a steer, and you can show us how to ride the thing. Um, Mate, hats off to him and hopefully that's uh, turned the corner for him and made a few people sit up and take notice and maybe uh, they can get a half-decent ride for him next year when the, the new Look Moto 2 category starts off with the Triumph 675 engines being uh, replacing the Honda engines, which is going to be a sound from the heavens next year. So that's yep, for sure.
0: Certainly will, Braxy. Always great to catch up with you, mate. We'll do it again soon.
3: No worries, mate. Have a good one, and I hope
0: that suntan doesn't wear off too quick, mate. Me neither, and there's always a spray uh, thing that I can put on if it does. Uh, Mark Backs joining us here on the grid. That's it for another episode. Thanks for joining us here on mypodcasthouse.com. We look forward to catching you again shortly.